0: Pasita Abad was a third culture kid long before the term hit the mainstream. She's a prolific Filipino artist whose work is currently being shown at the Jamil Art Center in Dubai. Although Akawi and I would have loved to have spoken to her, she passed away unfortunately in 2004, leaving behind over 5,000 works of art that are an archive and a prescient testimony of the Filipino migrant narrative. She is survived by her husband Jack and her nephew Pio, who share space with Akawi and I on this episode. As a Filipino woman, I found this exhibition moved me very deeply. The exhibition is called, I Thought the Streets Were Paved with Gold, and that was beautiful and sad to me. This is the first solo exhibition by a Filipino artist in the Gulf. Think about that, what that says about the important work that the Jamil Art Center is doing, but also about the work that we all have to do in the culture and art space. Ken has always believed that we were made for each other to live and grow together. So I guess our work is cut out for us and for you. Akawi and I encourage you to go to make space and bear witness. See the exhibition with the eyes of your heart and let it transport you to her time. There is no white space here. Thank you for listening. We love you.
1: You'll check it out.
2: Hey, what's
3: up, people? What up, nation? It's the revolution expression. in the Show. Stay tuned in. Arab digital generation is shaping our identity,
2: their creative expression, and their future. So please give a very warm welcome.
4: Welcome to your tribe. So, Pio, this was your first exhibition since 18 months.
3: Oh, this is the first opening since 18 months. So there have been a few first private view, you know, first, uh, I mean, that's the thing. The art world has kept going. There's been exhibitions, uh, both mine and Pasita's, but there's not really been the opportunity to congregate and celebrate things because of all these uh, ongoing measures, particularly in London. Um, So it's nice to be able to, you know, install a show and then have, community of people to celebrate it
4: absolutely and you know the the interesting thing that akari was saying that two meter distance for us for so i'm arab filipino so i'm i'm half half so for arabs being two meters apart from each other is not normal like we are actually (laughs) quite communal so so this is like this is the the apocalypse is next you know because we're not used to having like you know this distance between us but i think filipino culture is the same we're actually wait quite... until
1: we take it for arabic food <laughs> oh
4: have you yeah, this been? is where we,
1: we hand feed you like the bread La-o-la, open your mouth try this Jack, open your mouth. <laughs> akawi
4: will take a piece of bread and he will feed you well pre-covid yeah. now that's not gonna happen <laughs> now no,
1: i'll hand it over to you but i'll still make yeah, a piece of bread me. for you don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> yeah <laughs> No. So
4: um, I, I I wondered, actually, uh, can you let us know about your relationship with Pasita and how this exhibition sort of came about? Um, first Pio, and then Jack, if you don't mind sort of, you know, continuing after, that would be great.
3: Well, you know, Pasita Pasita's my paternal aunt. Uh, and I found out yesterday that, that there is a specific word in Arabic for paternal aunt and maternal and I, I thought that's really beautiful that, you know, you, you really get to, to to place family members in really specific ways. Um, and, you know, I think she was, you know, she was really the reason I became an artist because, you know, from a very young age, if you can see someone, you know, making work in the studio, having exhibitions, you know, it's, it's very much like a, it becomes a part of 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 growing up, and it, you know, it, it's not an imaginary thing. You can see someone, you know, doing it. So, she was really important in in me deciding to take up this path as well. Um, and you know, for a long time, I wasn't I wasn't really involved in the estate um, and, and in her work. I think mean, Jack and Jack's wife Christy have done an incredible job in keeping you know her incredible body of work intact but in 2017, I was invited by a friend of mine, who's the director of the Museum of Contemporary Art and Design in Manila, um, to co-curate uh, the first sort of major presentation of Basifa's work, I think in over a decade and a half. Um, she, you know, she's, uh, her name is, uh, the curator's name is Rosalina Cruz, and so in April 2018, we opened this exhibition in Manila, which was you know, um, this huge uh, show um, of I think over 24 paintings. Wow. And sin, sin since I, which I think for Pasita would, would, would be quite a minimal hang because her, uh, I think the first exhibition she had in Manila in 84, she had like 120 paintings. <laughs> um,
4: that sounds like Dubai that, yeah, sounds, that yeah. sounds like something we would do here like a thousand <laughs> things it's things like we don't need sofa. to see empty
3: walls <laughs> what is a black <laughs> wall <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's a Filipino uh, th- there's, uh, there's a phrase that is, uh, is applied by cultural theorists to the Filipino sensibility called horror vacui which is the fear of empty spaces um, and I think Jack can proceed to definitely embrace that sensibility uh, with relish. <laughs> um, uh, so going back to my role, so since that exhibition uh, that I co-curated in uh, in Manila, I've, I've been more involved in in telling Pasipa's story and in sharing, you know, in increasing the scholarship around her work and in collaborating with different institutions to present her work. And And this is actually the third in a series of, of co-curated exhibitions where I work with with other institutions, to really look at Pasipa's work through different global lenses, through different geographic perspectives. So the first was in Manila, the second was in the UK at Spike Island in Bristol, and then this is the third one in Dubai. Um, and it, and because Pasipa's life and her practice was so itinerant, it made sense to do these kind of geographically diverse shows. Um, and it's been interesting to... It's not really a touring show because we always... The show changes depending on the specificities of of the regions and the and the kind of and the stories that people can relate to, and because her work is so inclusive and so generous, you know, there's always it's always really beautiful trying to work out how to tell her story.
4: And Jack, how how did how how does this kind of connect to the work that you're, the work that you do, did with Pasita and do with her
2: do with the work? Well, that that's been the story. I mean that that is trying to tell. <clears throat> I mean, we met in uh, in 19, 19, uh, 70, seventy-four, I guess it was seventy three, and uh, for the, for the next thirty two years, we we traveled the world, and uh, she developed as an artist, and and big part of that was the travel, in, and and uh, she was inspired by. All the places we went, and she would pick up a number of uh, uh, cultural cultural themes, and uh, and it just it just grew. I mean, and and she grew as an an artist, and it was uh, it was a wonderful journey, wonderful journey. So uh, and
4: it's well, it's so wonderful to hear that because I I would like to kind of I, I was telling Akari earlier. Batanes, where Pasita is from, and I guess where you're, where you are from, <laughs> Pio. Can you tell um, our listeners how how isolated it is? I think people don't realize how special it is that the, the work comes from one of the most isolated I I tried to go there in two thousand seven, and it was just difficult to get to. So, can you let us know about the, you know the
2: journey? You should have, you should have tried to to get there in the nineteen fifties or sixties. It was impossible. <laughs> now it, now it, it's almost like going, you know, going to Abu Dhabi. But uh,
4: right, you
2: know, back, back back then, you know, you basically could only go by barge or, or especially, a military plane. So yes. So uh,
4: it was a military stronghold. Like so, there was because it was. Then it's the most northern island, I believe, uh, of the of the Philippines. So how did Pasita look out from the island and find her way out to the world? How did she? how did she
2: leave she followed her ancestors as as uh, pia will say you know basically you know the the whole <clears throat> migration into the into oceana came down from taiwan and batanes out and so pasito just followed the natural flow but she also so she she was born in batanes but ended up studying in
3: in manila um because um uh, when my grandfather uh, my grandfather was uh, became a congressman of Botanis. so that means that you 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 have to go to the seat of power um, in manila to hold office so that's how that's how they ended up uh, from like the most remote i think to 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 paint people a picture of Botanis as well it's not a tropical island in any way no. it actually looks more like it looks more like the outer hebrides or or iceland yes. in fact um, yeah <laughs> And, it's quite, and the it's we- quite
4: barren.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And the weather is closer to Yorkshire than it is to Palawan. Right. So it's, yeah. it's very rainy. It's very, it's it's rainy. very cloudy. It's very, it's very cold. Um,
4: your socks are always wet. Your socks are never yeah. dry. Yeah. Your toes sure are it's always in the cold. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs>
3: well, crazy. On, only just actually only just, it's actually closer to Taiwan than it, it, than it is to Manila. Um, and I think, like what Jack was saying, you know, it's the, the recent recent research has, has found that it's actually how Austronesian cultures spread throughout the world. So, you know they they found they found like uh, jade jewelry in in in, a, in an archaeological dig in Botanis. and the forms of these jade pieces were the same forms as Maori wood carving in in Aotearoa. So the you know so this. Actually, it's interesting.
4: It's like a it's like a tapestry, very very yeah. reflective of her work, isn't it?
3: It is. It is interesting to think about, you know, these migration of forms and these these kind of I guess mutations of motifs, and, and how actually that's embedded within Pasita. You know, the, the four thousand years of of migration from Batanes to I don't know Latin America, Polynesia um, is actually ingrained within the
1: dna of her and her work no it's, uh, it's 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 really beautiful i was there yesterday and uh, i took the tour and 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 just going back to what you mentioned about uh uh that there is there is no space left untouched in her work or, or her life there's there's a when you when you go to the exhibition there's a picture of their bedroom and and it's all colors like like it's it's all there's literally not even one space of empty or or there's there's not the color white does not exist in this bedroom. <laughs> I don't know if, it's, if it was your living room, Jack. Please please feel free to correct me, but it's 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 such like I can just imagine waking up and just seeing this this mixture of color throughout the walls, throughout her art, throughout, throughout everything. And and Jack, I don't. Uh, yesterday I o- overheard that throughout the 25 years you were preserving her 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 work, and there are around 5,000 pieces, if I'm not wrong. What, is it?
2: Yeah, and she did over 5,000 pieces of work. And uh, we probably have, I don't know 2,500 or whatever. And uh, so my wife and I, that was one of the first things to make sure we preserve them well, and they're all yeah. carefully packed and packaged and, and uh, in, in warehouses. And, and, and then we put a, a number on loan. We had on loan we have a 100 on loan to the Singapore Management University, and we had another 100 on loan to the World Bank uh, for maybe 10, 15 years. Uh, so we, at least we wanted to get it out, but we've, 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 you know, tried to preserve the bigger pieces, which we, cause we knew we'd want to have an exhibitions at, at one point and the bigger pieces, you know, once they're sold, you don't get them back. So yeah. that that's very important to, to tell
1: the story. So. Uh, question so as you mentioned you guys have over 5,000 2,500 minutes throughout the world Pio you mentioned that every time in previous exhibitions or in previous openings you you curate the pieces that you bring with you to the city or to the country that you're coming from what was the thinking process behind when you were coming to Dubai uh, the selection of it because I I went th- that like the exhibition is a journey and then when you get to that last room where there's pieces that showcase her her travel throughout the states and Congolese and the Congo, like wh- wh- what was like the criteria or like the the thinking process behind selection for uh, this exhibition.
3: Well, you know, we knew that, for instance, the kind of the core of the and actually it's the center, the second room of the show is um, is from a series that she she made called the Immigrant Experience, um, which was produced when uh, Jack and Basita were living in Washington D.C. and 93 in in the early late 80s to early 90s and she was grappling with uh you know with what it meant to be a woman of color uh living in dc at a time when you know the society was becoming increasingly multi-ethnic um but also there was this kind of you know there's always this friction you know the the kind of distrust of immigrants and and the the plight of of, of immigrants is always, you know, there's always kind of less than savory narratives um, that you have to contend with. And so she, the immigrant experience works was always going to be at the center of the exhibition because, because, you know, it's also, it's a story of, of, of Hong Kong. It's a story of Dubai. It's a story, it's a story that resonates with so many different people. Um, And I think one thing that, is also important to mention um, is, while this is Pasita's first exhibition um, in the Middle East, but more importantly than that, this is the first exhibition devoted to, this is the first museum exhibition devoted to a single Filipino artist in the Gulf, which is mind blowing when you think that 20% of people in Dubai are Filipinos. Um, So we really wanted that, uh, that that was the start of of my conversation with, uh, Nora Razian and, and Nadine Curry, who I co-curated the exhibition with, um, um, you know, to see, to want, to we want to we, we invite people to the gallery so they can see their stories reflected on the museum walls. Um, but then, you know, alongside that, we started <clears throat> looking at her other works. So uh, there's one painting in the first room called African Mephisto, which is actually the first trapunto that she'd ever made. Um, And, you know, as Jack was saying, like so many of these paintings are in storage. Like when the work was arrived, when I arrived here last week, that was the first time I'd ever seen this painting in real life. Uh, So it was amazing to be able to see the work. Um, But there's also uh, a series of paintings um, based on uh, a trip she did in Yemen in the late 90s. So there's a kind of, we wanted the, the works to reflect you know conversations surrounding the not just the filipino diaspora but the diasporic culture in general that um that defines dubai but then there are also these these works that um that that she made when she was you know thinking about the re- this region and and how you know and how she she synthesized you know uh, motifs from yemeni door patterns into these incredible uh paintings
2: yeah i mean actually you know, people don't realize it, but she spent a lot of time in the region. The painting that, that, that Pia was mentioning, African Mephisto, was actually inspired from her, her work in uh, Sudan, uh, whereas the bottom part was based on Sudan, Sudanese uh, basket covers that we picked up in Omdurman and had in the house for many, and the pattern, the, the shape, and and the face— was inspired initially by a, a movie, a German movie about an actor uh, who sympathized with the Nazis. Uh, but actually it, it was, she made it in, into a African face, much like uh, the tribes in Nunuba in and in the cow in, in Sudan because they paint when they have the, uh, the wrestling matches, they paint their faces white with ash. And so that was, that was the inspiration there. But she, but you know, she traveled and worked in Egypt, and Sudan, in Iran, Turkey, Jordan, Oman, UAE, um, and and Yemen. And and actually, you know, I mentioned that it came to uh, to Dubai in in eighty nine, and Pasita was with me. And yeah. at that point, uh, we met up with some Filipinos, and they. And as Filipinos do, they invite you back for dinner and, and, you know, come on over. And then they have some friends over. And it was at that time she heard the stories of, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations of many of the, the contract workers have. You know, it's not as bad now, as it, but it was very unregulated at those times. And a lot of time the agents would cheat, cheat the workers, wouldn't pay half the f- their fees. Um, some people got mistreated. And and that was that was the the inspiration for a painting she did, which called The Torments of the Philippine Overseas Worker. Uh, and mm. and as Pio said, you know, this this immigrant experience, it basically is something that built up over over many years, because when she came to the States in, in 1970, uh, you know, it was the first time out of the Philippines. And in the in the Philippines, she didn't know anybody who wasn't Catholic. She didn't she didn't wow. know, you know, it was there was no diversity. And she arrives in San, yeah. and San Francisco and like, whoa, you know, yeah. they there are they're, they're African Americans, they're Jewish, there are gays, they're you name it, they're Mexicans and, and 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 you know, she embraced this this world. She she really you know, w- was invigorated by it, and, and uh, but everybody had a story, and you know, one of the, one of the first things I remember, uh, we were meeting with some friends, and I, I asked about, you know, what's your immigrant status or something, and the Pasita said, never, never, never ask an immigrant that that question, <laughs> because you don't know, and um, w- one of one of her her cousins. Uh, was kind of a playboy in San Francisco, and he had a couple of girlfriends. And uh, one girlfriend got mad at him, and she reported him to the immigration, and he was on a plane back to the Philippines uh, oh, no. three, three, three days later. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 oh, no. and, and she came across that story. There's one of the paintings here, it actually was purchased by Jamil uh, from Dorawat and uh, about an African woman. In Washington, and she had the same experience. You know, she dumped a boyfriend, and a boyfriend said, "Okay, so I'm going to give it to you." When she called Im- Im- called immigration, and now she's back in Guinea, and never been wow. able- never wow. been able to come back to the never states. Been,
4: never been able to come back. Wow. I find it uh, quite remarkable that what you and Fasita were experiencing in your daily lives has now become the overarching sort of experience for, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a Filipino who doesn't have the narrative of the immigrant experience built into their DNA. It's part of the question of our identity, you know, and I just find her work so prolific because I don't know, do you think that she knew how impactful it was going to be when she was creating the work, or was she just reflecting the world around her?
2: Well, I, she wanted to tell a story. Uh, it 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 was it was catalyzed by the, the fact she, she was invited to an exhibition, uh, and there were a lot of Asian Americans and, and 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 others uh, from from Latin America, and uh, talking about diversity. And she, I remember her coming back and saying, you know. I've got to do something because I've got a lot to say about this issue I, I, I can I can say a lot more than these people have been talking about. I wanted to I, I want to tell that story and it was interesting because in in this series there were all people that she knew or that she had met and you know for example, she did one on mixed marriage and we had you know a number of friends who, who had, had mixed marriages and she chose a, a Canadian and, and a Sri Lankan. And and you know okay. the, this Canadian, you know, small family with you know two boys, and married to a Sri, a Sri Lankan, and they have about eight kids, and and they had a a, a wedding in in a temple in uh, southern India, and and it was like whoa, this whole mind blowing experience, and and yeah. and and, uh, and this and the same thing, she did there was you know this painting on on. Uh, you have to blend in before you, you stand out.
4: Assimilation is critical. Yeah. You, you take off, you take, you take off the the fresh off the boat feeling, which is we, you know, we have, we, we say Bob, it, it's a negative word, but you know, it is a word that we use and we say, you just don't, you want to assimilate you. You want to blend as much as possible. And then when you do that, you inevitably hit the identity crisis, which all me and my, my friends are going through, which is who are we as Filipinos? Like where. Where do we belong, you know? Um, and that's what this entire podcast has been about. Yeah, we become
3: really, we become really good at code switching, I think. Um, and I think and I think that, you know, you have to blend it before you stand out, precedes the term code switching by a good 30 years. <laughs>
4: uh-huh. And I yes, think that's absolutely. what's so
3: amazing. <laughs> that's what's so amazing about the work. It feels incredibly contemporary. Um, and I... I Yeah, and it's whether, you know, it's a question of whether, you know, has the world changed that much or has it just kind of gone back around? We don't know.
4: (laughs) I think we've coded it better. I think we have, I, I mean, I think I can express my mother's journey, you know, going to the Middle East and then Canada in a better way than, you know, she could find the words for it. But in her actions and her practice and her fashion and her friends, you'll find the same questions that I have because she was part of the first wave of ofw of overseas foreign workers and i i would imagine pasita as well saw that wave that's the wave that took us away from the island towards the cosmopolitan um, i i have a i have a question about representation because as a filipino in the media um and i i don't often say i'm filipino um because there aren't a, a, first of all i've never asked this is one of the few moments where suddenly it's like super relevant um but also because uh, I I don't know why I do this. Everybody's cool with me being Filipino. It's just easy. It's easy to just, it's a very, uh, it's a culture that sort of gets accepted in so many places. Um, Pio, what is your, what is your thought on representation? And why is it important that Visita's work is the first in the Gulf? And it's remarkable to me that of all, mm-hmm. there's been so many yeah. artists that have come through since the 1930s, but she's the first. Yes. Why does that matter?
3: I think it means so much to have, your experiences reflected within institutions that, you know, that might seem so distant or might might seem to be catering to other narratives to, to, to kind of, to embrace, you know, I think Pasita's uh, work is so inclusive. It's very specifically made by a Filipino artists, but it's also universal in how it, you know, like Jack was saying, you know, every single, um, Person depicted in the immigrant experience works. They're not archetypes. They're real people that she encountered, um, you know, when she was living in DC. And and also, what's what's incredible about her work is is you know, and usually, I mean, I, I don't want to generalize too much, but when 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 artists depict, uh, you know, people of color, it usually speaks about one culture. It speaks about one one experience. One. The, the experience of one community but actually in Pasita's there there was a really beautiful a quote that I I got from a curator when I was talking um to him about Pasita's work but you know he was saying Pasita's work is like this incredible archive of like the Latin American the African the Middle Eastern and the Asian experience in one incredibly exuberant surface and that's really how we experience life right it's not monocultural it's like you know you you know, everything is a fusion of something. And and her work is, you know, this it's is, is you know, she very much identified as a Filipino, but it was always a Filipino. she but she always saw her place in the world through the lives of other people and other communities. And I think that's why it's important that it's her that is the first Filipino artist showing here because it was it's an understanding of of her place in the world as a Filipino, but also it's understanding, an understanding of, of a more complex um, uh, relationship with, with you know, the, this global society.
4: Absolutely. And no, thank
1: no, you 100%, for that. 100%, it's really important. As someone that has lived here all his life, hung out, raised with Filipinos, you know, played basketball, it's it's an honor to have such beautiful work from our side, and it's being the first time in the region, to be really honest.
2: And, and last, last night at the exhibition, um, I was introduced to a man, and who was uh, who was from Sudan, South Sudan. And I mentioned that Pasita painted there, and I said, "Where were you in South Sudan?" He said, "I'm from Wow." I said, "That's where Pasita was." I said, "Come over here. I'll show you the painting that she did of the market in Wow." And and she had she had cut it up oh, and, wow. and incorporated incorporate into another painting, and he was saying, "Wow, look at this!" and uh, but you know and and it was incorporated with a uh, a figure from Cambodia and and then all, and then also an, an, another another figure from the Philippines so she she had this you know unique ability to pull different cultural threads together and mix them and uh, and even you know she would take things like cowrie shells that were were from Africa or or from uh, Papua New Guinea, and then she'd incorporate it in Indian paintings and take Indian mirrors and, yeah. and put them in Papua New Guinea. And so it was, uh, yeah. and it worked and she made it work.
4: Well, she well, sounds like the internet. <laughs> she,
2: yeah, she's she, the sounds internet. Like, she sounds <laughs> like
4: she got the internet. She understood it. <laughs> um, uh, so one of the things I wanted to ask, and this is for both of you, actually, our, our friends who are artists always are curious about the artist process. So, uh, you know, the process by which she created her art, because, you know, some people just kind of make a piece in in, in this fast, in make pieces in fast motion and others sort of take their time. Was she someone that worked like in in, in hyper focus? Was she multifaceted in her approach? How did she approach creating and eventually kind of getting to five, you mentioned 5,000 pieces of, you know, work? How did she do that over her lifetime?
2: Uh, obviously, with over five thousand pieces, she didn't work slowly. No, she, <laughs> and, and, she had and, a
4: lot to and, say really fast, and and, and
2: and and she and she and she multitasked. She'd be working on three or four uh, paintings at one time. Uh, you know, you you mentioned earlier about uh, no no white space. She hated white. She couldn't. She couldn't. Mm-hmm one time she saw, saw a woman with a white dress and she walked up to her and said it's a nice dress i'd love to paint it and the woman was shocked to say that <laughs> my that's an expensive dress but so, so so so, <laughs> so what she would do is she would put three or four canvases on the wall she staple them on the wall and then and while she's working on one she'd take the extra paint and then just Push it onto the other canvases, so she never had to face a white canvas. She she hated facing a blank canvas. She wanted something that, and then she then she just take it from there. What do I see? What do I feel? And and the other thing that was very important was music. She she always had uh, blasting music in her studio, and she'd be dancing around and playing and painting, and and uh, music was very important to her process. She she introduced me to the. Uh
3: the wonder that is Tina Turner. Uh,
4: she was a <laughs> the big legend, Tina the Turner legs. fan.
3: The legend. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> um,
4: so, so dance and music and everything was, I guess, a part of, the, part of the, equally a part of the creative process.
3: But I think what, yeah, what gets lost, and I think this is what, when I started curating the shows, um, one thing that, you know, I I felt was important was that the, the, the paintings shouldn't be hanging on walls, but they should be kind of almost in the center of the room so you can walk around it. Because, you know, in, in many ways, a pasita about Trapunto is two works. The front is this kind of, you know, painted, quilted, embellished um, painting. And then the back is like this incredible, intricate um, stitching, stitch work. It's like drawing with thread. Um, and it, it also shows the two different, um, I guess, aspects involved in creating the work. You know, there's a the kind of more intuitive, um, free aspect of painting. But then the, the level of, like, dedication and rigor involved in doing the stitching is another aspect of the practice. So it actually, it's it's so it's so engaged with the process of making that you really, like, I loved one of my favorite things is watching people look at the work because they, they kind of sit in front of it and they look at it like a, like a film. You know, they, they stay there and they kind of travel through the surfaces um, because there's so much to see.
4: She had so much to say, it sounds like.
3: <laughs> no, the show in Manila was, um, was based on one of the titles. Actually, the past three shows are, are all based on the titles of her works, which are always really incredible. But the the show when we curated the show in Manila, we, it was immediately clear what the title should be, and it's from a painting she made towards the end of her life, uh, and it was called "I Have a Million Things to Say."
4: She does, <laughs> and she definitely she had, had a, a billion, million things
3: to say. A billion <laughs> things
4: to say. And actually, I would just like to make sure we get all the information for the listeners. Can you tell us about the exhibition that's happening now at this at the uh, Jamil Art Center, and let us know, let our listeners know how they can how long it's going for, give us all the details so that, you know, they can come and experience her wonderful work.
3: So the, the exhibition, uh, at Jamilat center is called Pasit Abad. Um, I thought the streets were paved with gold. Um, and it, it opened yesterday and it runs until I think the 14th of February. So it, it has a, you know, it's on for a few months and, you know, I really invite everyone to see it and, and to, you know, I think if, even for people who normally don't go to galleries or museums, it's really a show that uh, that invites everyone to have a look and to really invest
1: time in looking at these paintings. No, hundred percent. Like I'm not like the, I'm exactly the target audience you just mentioned. Like I don't always <laughs> go to exhibitions. I usually go when who tells me I really need to see things. But really, for everyone that's listening, like go and dedicate two two to three hours because every single piece uh the 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 has a journey around it and because of how many cultures there is in one piece it, like i just like some people i just stood there for like a good 25 minutes and i was just watching and trying to understand what every single piece of it every single angle every single corner meant Um, And it was truly inspiring. It, It was really a journey. And you know, you guys can go alone, even if you don't have anyone to come with, just go and just, I went and I just stood there piece by piece. And I just watched. And then I started reading on the walls what everything meant. But I like, it's just being there and consuming it and like trying to understand And the colors in the room and the room itself. It's, 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 it's different. It's different, to be honest. And it's really a two to three hour inspirational session for everyone that needs it.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such, for, for me, as I feel, I, I feel I have to say it. I'm like a Filipino woman of color trying to navigate who we are in the world. And finally, you know, I've been here for 14 years. Suddenly something's come up that spoke directly to me. And to think that she made it decades ago, maybe, you know, is remarkable because that's the gift of our ancestry. And that's the gift of our, of our culture. And that's something that I'm, I can't wait to go, I'll be going tomorrow or the day after. And um, uh, Jack and Pio, is there anything else that you'd like the, li- the listeners to know as like, you know, before we uh, sort of sign off and get into the exhibition?
3: No, I think just come, come to see the show. I think it's, uh, we're, we're really honored to be able to bring this work to to Dubai and, and really it's, it's for everyone. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's the Pasidob- Bad experience. It's, uh, it's, it's, over- it's, all, it's overwhelming
1: no the experience <laughs> is the right word experience is the right word seriously Jack thank you for preserving her work thank you for spreading the message the work all around the world thank you The like I said the gallery is amazing you guys and the Jamil Arts Center team did an amazing job curating and the way each room has been uh, is shaped and the pieces it's it's truly to what you said Jack an and experience that It's sad that we only have it till February, but it is an experience. We should have it forever.
4: We should have it forever. The Mm. first Filipino um, exhibition in the Gulf at Jamil Arts Center. Please, please, please go see it.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for kicking it with us today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast at to stay up to date with all our conversations. Also, if you don't mind, hit us with the five-star rating, leave a comment, let us know how you feel about the show. That way, it could also help others find the show. And be sure to share it with your friends and family, whoever you think can benefit from it. You can holla at us on all social media platforms at The Can Show. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can drop us an email to hello at thecanmedia.com. Salaam.